Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. Part two, I should say, of podcast that I'm doing in the same day, recording this second episode, Wednesday, June 8th. If you listen to the first episode that I was doing today, you will have heard Tommy D. We had some New York Knicks talk. We talked about AJ Griffin. And now... I'm joined by a second very special guest. You've already heard his voice grace the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. If you want to subscribe to the No Ceilings NBA feed, I don't know what you're doing. You should definitely be checking that podcast feed out along with mine. So thank you if you're here. But joining me right now, Dan Purcell, former New Orleans Pelicans front office executive, doing some really cool stuff with the sports business classroom, as you can see by his awesome background. Dan. Thank you for coming on the show, brother. How you doing tonight? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I, you know, it's the best time of the year, and it's the only time anybody wants to hear me talk, so I am all about it. Well, <laughs> as, as I told you before we started recording, you are always welcome with any of us at No Ceilings. We do the NBA draft all year round. We can't get enough of it, so plenty that we want to talk about tonight, but we start out here very informational. We will get all the plugs in, so Dan, first of all, I want you to give my audience a little bit of a background and perspective on kind of your journey through basketball and where you're coming from to get them set for what we're going to be doing tonight. Sure. Um, I think you hit it on the head first. I I am a vet of uh, roughly 10 years in the NBA. I actually started um, as a video, a coaching video room intern. I was the late night guy and um, I would work with, uh, the video coordinator at the time, he's now assistant GM in New Orleans, Bryson Graham, um, him and I, and uh, Patrick O'Keefe would be in there. Patrick's a OG of the NBA. And, uh, you know, I would pull the late shift. I was actually working at a place called the National Basketball Academy. I was putting about eight to 10 hours in a day with them. And then, um, which was awesome. I love that job. It was, it was basketball 24 seven. You know, I got to have the, I grew the largest AAU program in Louisiana and, you know, it was, it was a lot, a ton of fun, a ton of fun. And, um, but just for me, there was something more, you know, that, that I wanted to do. And, um, I just asked if I could help in any way. And, uh, Bryson was, was, you know, graceful enough to say that, you know, I definitely could use some help. I appreciate it. Uh, coach Mott cleared it obviously. And then, um, yeah, was in there from, you know, probably eight, 9 PM at night, every night until about you know, two, three in the morning, depending on the West coast games. Cause sometimes you would have West coast games that would end earlier. They go into double, triple overtime. You know how that goes. And it was just grinding film out and breaking it down and, and trying to learn the process, you know, how things worked in the NBA. And then uh, ultimately um, I got, I had a really cool opportunity where I got to choose between front office or coaching staff where I kind of wanted to go to. Uh, I went front office cause I have a, dire i don't know if it's sickness or whatever it is for player evaluation so um it's just something that's embedded in me i just love it it's there's just something about finding the right player and the right guy to fit into the puzzle that's so it's just so me it's always what i've done right yeah just throughout school trying to my studies you know when i played in college and um so you know i was able to be in the front office i got the grunt job to start off and i really I spent 16, 17 hours a day my first three years straight uh, in there. I probably was in there too much. I probably annoyed a lot of people probably because <laughs> I was in there too much, but um, I, I wanted to know everything. 
and I would watch and, you know, be sitting at my desk at 10 o'clock at night watching West Coast games or watching, uh, especially during the college season. Yep. I'd be watching, you know, WCC games, you know, and watching San Francisco play, you know, Santa Barbara or Santa Clara or, you know, whatever that is. And um, I was just trying to digest as much as I could because I knew when you're in it, sometimes you get lost in it. And I knew at that point I tried to be realistic, like this can be gone tomorrow. So I need yeah. to learn as much as I can, as much as I can, much as I can, um, as fast as I can. So I really dedicated myself that way. And then obviously, you know, we had some success, went to the playoffs a couple times, beat Portland, first round swept them. Um, and it was a great experience. You know, New Orleans was so good to me. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sitting in front of you if it wasn't for them. Seriously. I mean, Mrs. Benson, Mr. Benson was great to me. Mrs. Benson um, was awesome. You know, uh, so it was just a, it was a really, really good experience. Dennis Lausch over there as well. Mickey Loomis, like they were all great to me and, you know, I wouldn't be the, anywhere I am without them, but um, but before the NBA, you know, I played at a D3 school uh, called Lake Erie College. We were pretty successful there. Um, and then I worked for the National Basketball Academy for about four years. And then I got into the NBA. You have one hell of a background, my friend. It's, it's, it's nice to hear and nice for my audience to hear about the grind and the hustle it takes to, to really make it in a business such as basketball and basketball really is something you get out of it when you put into it, regardless of your role within the game. So it is something refreshing and it's a great point for my audience to definitely take away. Speaking of giving thanks to some of the people who helped you get to where you are and kind of offering a, a lending hand or a helping hand, I should say, you're doing some really amazing things with Sports Business Classroom and somebody who has been through classes like that, who has done some of the events and opportunities out in Las Vegas around the Summer League. As somebody who's done a lot of that, why don't you talk about what you and, and Sports Business Classroom are doing and, and maybe it's something that my audience would be interested in. Yeah, Sports Business Classroom has been a super, like a super cool experience for me, right? I actually took a class in, the advanced CBA course, I want to say it was 2017, maybe it's 2018. I can't remember exactly. And uh, I had Larry Kuhn is in charge of sports business classroom. He's our kind of general manager, right? And anybody who doesn't know who Larry Kuhn is, yeah, he's the an OG salary the CBA cap guru. guru. And CBA I mean, the guru, guy, yeah. he, he is the foremost expert. There's maybe one or two guys in the world who know the legality and where it's in and, and being able to manipulate it like Larry does. So uh, I actually learned from Larry's FAQ website back in 2000 when I was learning everything, right? Mm -hmm. Back in 2011, 2012, maybe. Uh, I started with that. And then when the new rules came in, obviously, you know, he put out his new stuff. And um, you know, I just thought it was a really good opportunity for me to go learn, get better, because, um, you know, I am much better on the evaluation side than I was at the time on the CBA. And um, I wanted to get better. I wanted to be a more well-rounded uh, executive. And then um, after my career came to an end with the Pelicans, um, I just, you know, I made some really good connections with uh, Dave DeFore there, uh, obviously with Larry too. And then Albert Hall, um, obviously from Hall Pass Media, you know, they put on Summer League with uh, him and Warren. Legary put it on and Albert's been just awesome. I, I can't even say like how awesome it's been to work with him. And, you know, it's just, it's being able to teach. It's being able to pass my experiences on. And hopefully something I, I say or do can help because, you know, my dad was actually a teacher. He was an insurance agent after he taught. Right. 
And uh, he was a teacher for about 15 years and he loved it. So I think it's kind of in my blood to be a teacher um, or to teach or to give back in some way. Right. And uh, that's what SBC is. It's, it's a real life immersion for a week at summer league. You live at summer league, you are around executives from the summer league. And we have guests from anyone from Adam silver to Mark Cuban. And this isn't like trying to drop names. This, these are guys actually like they come in and they talk about, the actual job of owning yep. a team, being a president, Tommy Shepard is, you know, Tommy always comes and gives his time. And we have people, we have Ramona Shelburne, like, and it's, it's not just like one little part. You have different majors, if you will, you got to think of it more of as like a university. Right. Yep. And if you, if you want to be a broadcast guy, Bo Estes runs the broadcasting section and Bo is part of TNT and whatnot. And Bo has a lot of real world experience, but then we bring Mark Jones in and we bring, like I said, Ramona Shelburne from the media. And, you know, I, I, I obviously there's tons of people. We bring in PR people from the league, you know, PR people that talk about their job and how the, you know, how um, Dennis Rogers from the Clippers, I actually worked with them in New Orleans. Um, but the Raj comes every year, you know, talks about what he does. And um, so you have that aspect. And then on top of it, you have the scout, you know, the, the player evaluation, which, I run with Dave DeFore, which is awesome. Um, you have the cap stuff with Larry and Eric. So if you want to be more of a cap expert, and you get to pick all these different majors, right? And it's just such it, you can't get awesome. the experience. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you can't get the experience of you get to be around really smart people all the time. It's 24-7 around smart people. Two, you get to learn more than you'll ever learn doing it on your own. It's just a fact. I mean, I thought when I first did it, I was like, ah, you know, I'm kind of in the league and there's like five other people that are in the league here. Otherwise it's just a bunch of other lawyers and corporate lawyers who want to get into basketball. But then after like the second day, you're like, holy Jesus, these people are way smarter than me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's also about connections as well. You make a ton of connections yeah. with not only people in the league, but I mean, you're going to get to meet everybody that comes and speaks there. It's not like my door is open. And then there's other outlets for you. For example, the no trade clause guys, are all SBC alums. We're trying to promote them and try to get them to do their thing on no trade clause, which is a website. You guys can visit no trade clause.com. Um, and then on top of it, there's even people like Amber nickel or, or uh, yeah, I think it's Amber Nichols who um, is the GM of the uh, G, uh, G league team for the wizards. She was also an alumni of SBC. So, um, you know, I, I, there, there's like, and there's multiple people that I'm just using her as an example, because obviously she's breaking the barrier, you know, yeah. this glass ceiling, if you will, which is absolutely awesome. And it's happy to be like a part of what, you know, she's doing. So it's just, um, I, I, it's such a great experience overall. And I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm glad Larry puts up with me and, um, I'm glad Albert, Albert, and Larry really put up with me and allow me to teach and you know show what i've learned and not just what i did in the league but what i've done now i've learned a ton from guys who aren't in the league i mean yeah. I, I didn't realize at the time because sometimes when you're in it you are just so focused on what you're doing you're so hyper focused that you don't you know there's a lot of really smart people out there that understand the game and they understand and they were either former players like i've learned so much from guys who are former players and also guys who never picked up a basketball in their life but they have good insights you know what i mean so Getting getting to be a part of something like Sports Business Classroom, I, uh, I I'm I'm not just saying this because I got Dan on. I'm I'm being sincerely truthful that any opportunity like that, if you are interested in basketball out there, please please go check out what they're doing at Sports Business Classroom. At a, at a bare minimum, I would say, right, if that's something that you want to build up to, at a bare minimum, 
go out to Vegas, go to summer league. I promise that no other sport does something like summer league. And I tell that to literally everybody. I know you, this sport, this business is all about connections. You never know who you're going to bump into at Vegas summer league. It's such an open experience. I've talked to some incredible people. I've done some of the classes. I've done some of that work to get to where I am. So please seriously go check out sports business classroom and consider um, if not this year, next year, go and, and trying to do something like that, trying to make connections, meet people, learn, get better. That's what this game is all about. You have to put in the work, you have to grind and you have to get out there and, and meet people. You can't just do everything exclusively, you know, watching the film yourself and not getting any insight from anybody else. You got to make connections. So please go check out Sports Business Classroom. Um, yeah, you can check it out at uh, sportsbusinessclassroom.com or at sportsbizclassroom yes. on Twitter. I think it's a uh, I we're having, it's coming close to getting full. Honestly, I, I was, Larry was just telling us the other day, like, he's not sure how many more we're taking, but um, I would say if you're interested in building your career or starting it, yeah. or just trying to figure out what you want to do, this is like the best first step you could take. It and will accelerate you, your growth. As you mentioned, all the different avenues too. Um, so many different, no matter what pathway you want to take in your career, there's going to be something there for you. So yes, sports biz classroom, definitely check that out. But Dan, we wanted to get all those plugs in. You're also here because we want to talk NBA draft. We want to do a lottery mock draft because I, I haven't busted out a, a mock draft in a few weeks here on the draft deeper podcast feed. So there's literally nobody better to do one with, because we're not only going to alternate and make picks as we would want to do so, but we're also going to get some of your front office insight. You have insight that you can definitely give while doing an exercise like that, it's going to be beneficial to me as well as everybody else listening. So I'm excited to learn more. I'm incredibly honored and thrilled that you're here. Dan, are you ready to get this thing started? And I've been ready since last draft. Let's go. <laughs> well, you better be ready because I, you're, you're the honored guest. You are on the clock. <laughs> I gave you the first overall pick in the draft. So this is you. This is the Orlando Magic. There are plenty of rumors swirling about who the pick is going to be. We've talked about that yeah. on this podcast feed. I don't know if you're going to go in that direction. I don't know if you have another player who's your, who's your crown jewel who you would take with number one. Where are you going for the Orlando Magic at number one? Well, let's start. Let's start here with dispersing some of these rumors and whatnot. I have yes, I have please. pretty I have some pretty good sources that I trust a lot that have kind of guided me on this decision, right? And um, sorry, I was fixing my mic there. Um, one, th- I don't believe this tr- this pick will be traded. I can tell you that right now. In the history of number one picks being traded, how many have been traded? First of all, so the precedent is there. Second of all, when you have number one, that's what you do this for, right? You, you do it so you get to pick who you, the guy you want in the draft up ahead. So let's put that out there first. Second thing, it is a battle right now. Not a battle, internal discussion, I should say between uh, Chet and Jabari. I yep. think Paolo is, is not in this conversation at all um, in terms of just where they think they should, which direction they should go. Do you um, think he should what, be in the discussion? Just you personally? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I think you're not doing your due diligence unless he is a part of the discussion. Because I would agree. Because, because honestly, he could be the number one pick in last year's draft or this year's draft. He could. He could have been. I'm just saying, I don't think he would have been. I'm just saying he has that talent, right? He he's probably gonna he may end up, Paolo may be end up being the best player of the three. He may actually end up being the best of the three over time. Regardless, 
you have to go with what's trending in the league, what makes you a better team, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. I, I, the people I've talked to that are, I, they're pretty reputable and I've known them for a long time. They're telling me it's Jabari and I am going to go with Jabari Smith. Number one. Okay. I think, I think that um, I had Chet Holmgren there because I thought the Suggs Holmgren chemistry, again, you don't pick somebody cause he was his high school teammate. Right. I'm just saying there's instant chemistry there because they played together for years, right? And they've also played in the same system together and, you know, AAU and, you know, they've done the whole nine yards. So um, when I, uh, about a month ago, I had said Chet Holmgren because I, I thought Chet's skill set would work real well with Jalen and I still do. I think just the way Jalen attacks and the Jaylen, way Jalen's aggressive, I think Chet plays off of that really well and he's such an elite shooter. And he and he's really smart, and he's actually a pretty decent passer. He's yeah. decent. He's not. He's not like the greatest passer ever. But I'd say under big, underrated, right? I don't think enough passer, people talk big. about his passing enough. Yeah, I think he makes enough passes. He makes it. He makes good enough decisions with the ball that him and Jalen could really play off of each other. But the one thing that I think I overlooked a bit was the Cole Anthony situation. And, um, oh boy, I'm a, I'm a little nervous where you're going to go. You're talking to a yeah. Anthony guy. I'm a little nervous where this is going. So, and again, I don't, I don't have bias when it comes to this. This is just, sure. I'm trying to look at it from a, uh, productive standpoint, right? Yep. Production standpoint. I should say Cole was by far their most productive player. I, you would argue, right. He, Problem he, was, is he, he was on a tear to be, I mean, he had like an all-star case, like in December. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. yeah. He, that's what I'm saying. He's, he was the guy who probably just was able to make enough plays, was able to even the games they won was yeah. probably the guy reason they won for the most part, most part. The problem is I'm not sure that he's your second or third best player on a high ranking playoff team. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. I think, I think Jalen can actually be a second or third best player in the next two or three years on a playoff team. Right. And so I was looking at it as Jalen is the guy that we need to focus on because he was just drafted fifth overall. He's the guy. Yeah. He just had some injuries, but him and Cole Anthony do not play well together. It's not a, it's not a good, it's not a good marriage. Right. So in my head, I'm trying to think if I'm Orlando, I'm going with Suggs because I know I control Suggs for a longer period of time. I know he's going to be cheaper for me in the long run. And honestly, he's probably going to be a better player in five years than Cole Anthony is health permitting. Right. Odds yep. are that. The, the, yep. And that's that was my thought process. And the more and more I got to talking to people and I saw things and I was what and I watched I've watched Jabari every play and position defense possession defense and offense Jabari four times now. I, I literally went through it again last weekend. The whole season. I watched every single game, took me about four and a half days again to do it, right? <laughs> Cause I want to be perfect on this guy in terms of like what he does and who he is and what he isn't on the floor. And for me, six, eight, six, nine, he's not Kevin Durant. Let's not put him up there on that. Nope. That pedestal. Cause he does. Kevin Durant can get to his spots any day, any time of the game, any game that he plays in Durant is a force and he gets there, right? That is not Jabari, but I don't know that there's a better pick and pop. Big, big that we've prospect that we've seen in a long time. My pro, the only downside I really have to Jabari is is his floor is Channing Fry. That's not awful, but it's not the number one pick, right? So yeah. his floor. So if I'm looking at floor ceiling, 
the worst case scenario, if he's healthy, he's Channing Fry, a three-point specialist, a role guy. He's probably going to play in the league for 12, 15, 12 to 15 years just because he can shoot that thing and he can shoot it from anywhere, right? And Jabari can do that. But his ceiling could be a, a lesser Dirk Nowitzki. That's his ceiling, a lesser Dirk Nowitzki. And that's saying a lot because Dirk is amazing, right? So he's not going to be Dirk because Dirk, Dirk could get to his spots, and I'm afraid Jabari won't be able to. That's the only, That's the biggest difference is Jabari needs someone to make plays for him. He needs somebody to get him into secondary action. Yeah. He needs when you know he's he's good in transition, but as a trailer more than a rim runner. You know what I'm saying? So all yeah. these things come into it, and it hit me, Nathan. It hit me. What, Give it to me. What guard is better for Jabari Smith? That is on Orlando's roster. Markel Fultz is still on the roster, man. Who's the better guard? Suggs or Anthony? For him. I mean, it's technically Suggs because he's going to put more pressure on the rim. You think it's Cole Anthony? It's Cole Anthony. I I couldn't believe it either. And I I, I watched it again this weekend, and I came to the revelation that I think Cole Anthony is a better guard for Jabari than Suggs is. I know. I know. I said the same thing. Is this guy actually went, praising Cole went, Anthony on my – Do I, I have went, somebody else talking positively about Cole no, Anthony on his podcast? No, no. No, I'm not being positive. I'm just being pragmatic. Okay. So this is what I did. I went back and watched Cole Anthony two days ago. The plays he's making, he needs a bailout partner because he gets out of control sometimes now, right? That he he gets out of control. And – there were about 25 possessions that I counted in the seven to eight games that I watched just in those games where he was out of control, either at the rim or in the pick and roll, meaning out of control, meaning he wasn't able to manipulate the defense and his body was off. He wasn't square to the rim. He didn't get off his screen. Well, he didn't set his guy up. There was something missing, right? That he needed a bailout from, in my opinion, this is my opinion. And I said, man, he needs somebody to bail him out. And it hit me again. I said, that's Jabari. You run pistol action on the front side and transition, or 21. He called it 21. You run that 21 action. Slice. Those all, all I know these are these are over-the-head concepts in the NBA to some people. I'm just that's just how I think, right? And I'm going, man, even just basic drag in transition. And I'm going, this guy, this is the perfect guy. And and he will work okay with Jalen too. So you don't have to make a decision on your guards at this point. You now have a big that will fit either guy, but it really shades towards Cole Anthony better. And now I don't have to make a decision on my guards. I let all three of them run out there and see who plays better together. Rather than if I pick Chet, I'm probably going to need Chet to work with Suggs more because their games complement each other a little more, right? Whereas Cole, he needs guys to bail him out, and Chet is not going to be able to make a play, like, in my opinion, in the quarter court you know, getting two dribbles, pop, pull up. Like that's not, to me, that's not his game. He dribble, dribble, dribbles. He tries to drive in. He tries to show his handles. He tries to get to the step back shot. He tries to, you know, get his feet set into Chet's, a shot. Chet's arguably more of a trailer big than Jabari is. I mean, that's, that's really oh, where, oh, oh, that's where a lot of his shots came from, from three-point range last year. Absolutely. But then you look at Jabari, he does it in the quarter court and the full court. Yeah. So to me, 
I think if a guy, if a six, nine guy shoots 42% from three above average athlete, he's not like the craziest athlete ever. Good wingspan. His measurements measure out well enough. I know he can't take more than two dribbles. The league is going to know he can't take more than two dribbles. You know, Does it make matter when you can shoot over three guys at once? Not at all. And that's my <laughs> point. And when Cole Anthony is driving in there and he's out of control, that's one less defender in the lane. That's And if that defender decides to collapse on him, he's a kick out to Jabari, a dump off, a DHO, whatever that is to Jabari. And you know he's going to be able to pull up the minute he gets the ball. Yep. So for me, number one overall, Jabari Smith. I'm not upset at all about it. I love Jabari. I think he is going to be an all-star. I, I don't see the only bad part about him is maybe he's, you know, he's not the greatest defender ever. He's not the greatest rim protector ever. He's not the most physical guy, but Jabari is my pick. What do you think? I, I think where I'm at. So Chet Holmgren's number one on my big board. Um, and, and he's been for there, there was a small period of time where Jabari got up to that spot about, about late December, early January, but Chet's been my number one for the majority of the year. However, I see where everybody's going with Jabari at number one, because is there really a team in the NBA who can't use a Jabari Smith? And that's, that's the argument I'm making for you. That's, that's then, the selling point. Yep. And that's, and then on top of it, I don't have to choose. If I'm the front office of the Orlando, I now don't have to choose between Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. I can let them play it out and figure out which you always, as a front office guy, you always want to buy time, right? So that guys can you get more reps for the guys you want to watch that are cheap so that when it comes up to extension time, how much are we paying these guys, right? But you really want to see if they're going to step up and be like awesome and you can get them on their cheap contract for a year or two. And then get him into their extension, right? That's but if oh I, my God. But, if, but if I don't have to make a decision on it, why would I? That's a great point. That's a point that I I haven't made that on this podcast, but that's an excellent point. Jabari, Jabari may help you best in terms of he doesn't lock you into a certain pathway and he helps you evaluate everybody else on the roster in the cleanest way because he's not really going to get anybody else's way, right? We kind of know what he exactly. is. And he's only going to get better, and he's not going to get in anybody else's way. That's a great argument. That's a fantastic. And what? And what if? And, and what if Chet turns out to be Sean Bradley with a jump shot? I'm just saying, you're going to be upset that you passed on Jabari. Then I'm just saying. I'm not saying he. I think Chet's going to be very good. I, I don't think. I think he's going to be way better than Sean Bradley. I'm just saying his body's built like Sean Bradley. He's and he's he does have a scary floor. I I don't think anybody can can argue against it, right? So then so then that you're looking at it from both ways now. Looking at it from I'm looking at the opportunity to op- look at my other roster spots, especially my guards. And then I know I have Jabari locked up for 7 years probably, so I'm I'm good. At worst he's Channing Fry, so it is what it is at that point. At best he's a lesser Dirk by year 4. And I feel good about where I'm at. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel good about, okay, I took him one and he's, you know, he's, he's right on the level of uh, what's his face in Minnesota. Um, developmental level. No, no, no. Who are you? Who are you looking for? The guy that's just grabbed number one. Why am I having a mind blank? Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I had a mind blank. Sorry. Then you're on the same trajectory of production is Anthony Edwards at that point, right? Anthony Edwards is arguably maybe an all-star next year. If he continues that uptrend to it, 
And that's and he's in what year three? He'll be going into year three. He'll be going to, yes. Yep. So that's where you kind of want Jabari, not the same player, obviously. I'm just talking about trajectories of development. You want Jabari to be at that all-star level by year three. Cool. And now I've already made my decision probably end of next year on or even maybe the end of this year, Suggs, Anthony, which way do I want to go? Do they work together? Do I pay them both? Do we in the next draft? Because we're probably not going to be really good next year. We'll probably have a lottery pick as well next year. Is there another guard next year coming out that maybe in, who's in the in the lottery that now that I think, you know, you know what I mean? There's a lot that goes into it, but I think like I think what you said was really good about he fits. Any way you want to go, you can yeah. plug Jabari in and he plays. Whereas Chet, you I feel like Chet has to have the right guards to be really, really successful. Like he did, he had Nemhard at Gonzaga, who's okay. He never it's probably gonna be in the league for three or four years as a 10th, 11th, 12th guy, but he has he's never played other than with Suggs, but he didn't get to play with him at a high level, you know, on the college level and here on the pro level, uh, he'd get to. So whereas if I'm OKC, I'm going to segue into OKC here for you. I know a guard, actually two guards that are pretty, pretty good fit for him. At SGA and Giddy are going to make and any of these guys better. So think about Jabari on that team. Oh my god! See, <laughs> I don't that's... think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But if it does, OKC is scary. Next, not this year, the year after. Scary. That is a scary team. So we talked about we talked about Chet Holmgren. and I'm technically up at number two for the OKC Thunder, and that that is who I would take at this point if Jabari is off the board. But we don't even necessarily do a, a a second deep dive on on Chet Holmgren. There is the possible buzz, and I want to get your perspective on this, Dan. We talked about this before we started recording. There is a possibility that I might not even be able to make a pick in this exercise if we do it on draft day for, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It might be, might be a different team. And draft picks that high generally are not, you know, traded hands, right? It's not, it's not a, a common occurrence that a number two pick might look to be moved off of or, or traded down. But this, this, is, this is a weird year. I think we at No Ceilings are all prepared for just absolute chaos to break out on draft night, possibly multiple trades, even in the lottery. And, and we'll talk about some of those opportunities as we keep going along, but what, what's the possibility that OKC does move off the number two pick. And if somebody's looking to trade up, like what, what does it actually take to get up to a number two spot? Cause that, that can be, can be complicated depending on the team, but like from your perspective, like what would it actually take for a team to move up to number two? It's going to take a lot. <laughs> Uh, Sam, it, Sam Preston done an amazing job. In my opinion, he has taken rags and turned it into riches. And that's what you literally have to do as a small market team. Um, so it's going to, it's not going to be cheap. I'm going to tell you that it's not going to be cheap. Sam's Sam does not sell this stuff cheap. And the history of number two picks being traded is very slim. Yep. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know. I don't have anybody on the history of, you know, um, that's been traded number two, unless you can off the top of your head. In the modern NBA, in the 80s, it happened, you know, obviously. But um, I think it's going to be really hard. The candidates for that is Sacramento. I think they're really either Houston or Sacramento are the only two candidates for that. I don't think Houston wants to pay the popper because they also don't have their pick next year, I believe. 
And um, so they would really be digging into their trove for the future, which is going to be tough. Just because you really got to think Chet's your guy. Like you really have to think that Jalen Green and Chet are made like they're your Malone Stockton, your Kobe Shaq for um, for the next seven, six years. I don't see that. If Jabari is there, I think it's a little different because I think you can you can plug and play Jabari with pretty much any guard and you're going to feel pretty good about your situation. Right. And I'm not saying Chet can't plug and play with a lot of guards because he can. I think the thing is he, you're not going to get his best being with certain types of guards. I think Jalen green is not the type of wing score guy. That's going to help Chet get better. I think you need somebody who's more, you know, an actual pure passer to like, I really think Josh Giddy is the key here for that. I think him and Giddy yeah. would have a, have a field day together together because Giddy's vision and his court awareness is so high. You add that with Chet's IQ and his court awareness you really start to get smart basketball going on. And then you add Shea into that as well. And his playmaking ability and his ability, he's a smart guy too. It's not like he makes all the dumb plays all the time. He does make yeah. some good, smart plays. So you put those three guys together on the floor. Your IQ is high. Your character is high. You have good people on top of it. And now you're, I think in that scenario, you can play Shea or you can play yeah, Shea and, um, and Chet together. And you can sit, give Giddy a rest. Or if you want to play Giddy, and then give, you know, Shea a rest to give him a breather, you know, instead of having to play 38 minutes, he plays 34, 33 minutes a game. Um, even though I, I don't think he played that much. I think what Shea averaged, what, 31 last season. But I'm just saying as you get into a playoff hunt, it's harder to control mm-hmm. minutes for your best player in that scenario. When you know you're yeah. losing and you know that this team's not good enough to make the playoffs, it's really easy to say, hey, well, Shea, you're playing 29 to 32 today. Just know that. That's what you're going to be doing. We don't want to kill you. Like we yeah. know this, we want you to develop, but at the same time, we don't want to kill you at the same, you know, on the other hand. So, yeah. um, I, I, I would say Sacramento, I, Sacramento is an, if they want to pull a Sacramento and they think Chet, they think Chet is their guy or Jabari, whichever one is one or Paulo, if they think Paulo, if they can't get three, they might have to go to two to get their guy. And that's fine. If you have a guy, I had a really good mentor, somebody who'd been around the NBA for 20 years, made tons of decisions. And he always told me if your guy's there and you can get him, go get him. You know, if that's your guy, you got to make sure your process is good. Your scouting is good. Your evaluation is good. Your background is good. Like you better hit, you better hit. And that better be your guy and you better hit. But if he's there and he's your guy, go get him. And if Sacramento believes in in our draft anyways, that, that Chet is that guy, then you take four, um, you take it's probably a swap next year and you're probably going to take top three protected the year after, or if you want to, or if you want to make, make this into you trade the player and then wait till the new CBA season or, you know, the new cap season. And then you want to take next year's pick too, mm-hmm. top three protected. Then that's something that, you know, obviously you'll work that out, but, um, you know, Stepien rule, you can't go back to back. Correct. So if you want to, if I'm OKC, I'm trying to get as many picks now. So that's probably what I would do is I would just wait until the new season on that. You know, obviously they're going to tell us who we're taking, you know, and all that stuff. But I would say it would have to be four this year. I think it has to be top three protected next year. If you're going to go that route with a swap after that or two seconds, or maybe it's a fake, fake first where it's like top, 25 whatever, whatever protected. 
you know what I mean? But right. you know, it's but but if it doesn't get if, if you don't get it after a year or two, it turns into two it's seconds. Two you seconds, know what I mean? Yeah. Um, something built like that, I think, would be acceptable for the first for um, OKC because you get a top four pick this year. A lot of good players at four still. You're going to miss out on the top three, but you're going to get four. But next year, you're still treasure trove of. I mean, now you just add sack, and they're probably not going to be very good. That you're probably going to get the tenth pick out of that for them. So, you know, it, it could be really good for OKC. I I am definitely eager to get into your head about um, like the four, really the four through ten range in terms of kind of what you're thinking as we go along and and make these picks. It, it's different for everybody. And my audience has heard me utter enough words about these guys up to this point. I'm glad that I can get some different perspectives on the podcast feed. That's that's the goal here at Draft Deeper. So speaking of getting more can I can I say one thing though? Can I say oh, one thing though? Please. If I'm OKC, I'm not trading it. You you get to the you get to this point to pick. If it was seven, okay, six, even five. I'll listen, but if I'm OKC, I am playing for one through three. That's why I'm doing this. I'm I wouldn't either because I'm I'm, I'm that high on Chet, so I would personally take Chet if I was. Even if the they team. like Paolo, even if they or, like Paolo, or Paolo. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, by the way, I, one more thing. More, sorry. Yes. Last thing. Last thing. So OKC, if they do trade, we'll just hypothetically say Sac, right? Yes. And let's say Sacramento is the number ten pick next year, just for the argument of it all. Um, in 2023, and I, I believe I'm reading this. Oh, that's sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm going to OKC here. Okay. Next year, they have the more favorable of their and at the Clippers first. They have Detroit's first 19 through 30, Denver's first 15 through 30, Washington's first 15 through 30. Then they have the two most favorable of OKC Washington second round and more favorable of Dallas Miami second round. So you're looking at, let's just say they're not a playoff team and they pick um, eighth, right? You're looking at the eighth pick, the 10th pick. Um, yeah, they have the potential for four first round picks, which is I mean, absurd. I'm just saying you could be sitting at, you could be sitting at 19, 15, and 16. In that's a draft crazy that's capital. perceived to be better than, than this Yes, draft. better than this one. Like, think about that. That's it, it's unbelievable amount of ammo. But for me, if I'm OKC, I'm taking I'm just taking whoever's not who's ever there for Chet and Jabari. I, I've said this on another podcast. I think I think actually I said it on with Andrew Schleck when I was on Down and Dunk. I think the thing about what Sam Presti's done is it's not even just him playing in the small market. I think he also knows that when a decision needs to be made, like he's hit with draft picks, right? He has, he has more hits than misses. And I think just playing to his strengths as an executive, recognizing he's in the small market, you know, he can pull off trades. That could be an avenue, but free agency is not going to be the avenue, but he can, he, he, he can draft, right? So just even just knowing who you are and playing to your strengths, I think is a much better strategy than we've seen other front offices take in, in, in different tenures. So shouts, I, I agree. Shouts to Sam. He's done an incredible job and, and will continue to. For and one little more tidbit. Yes. Dan, you, you can get, you can give me all the information you want, buddy. Uh, this is, this I, is I forgot about this one. This is, this goes into Houston. We'll segue into this. Houston's first to OKC is protected 15 to 30 this year, obviously. So they got to keep it. Yep. 
13 through 30 next year. I'm just saying that's also in the cards. Yeah. Like there's just, it's, it's just, and then Houston's 24 first to OKC is protected one through four. So OKC is getting Houston's pick. If it's not next year, it's the year after. But the problem is with that protection and the rules, like you could play with the protection on Houston. If Houston wants to give it up, Houston can give the rest of that 10 more spots of protection. If they feel yeah. like they can move up, that should be a fair trade as well on top of it. So let's go to Houston. Yeah, let's 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 go to Houston and you're you're on the clock, Dan. I, I would assume there's no surprise. You can assume coming. right. You okay. can assume right. All right, all right. Paulo so Boncaro, this is not yeah. hard. You take whoever whoever's left of the top three, unless you think Jaden Ivey or uh Ben Matherin or somebody like that is a better player, which in my opinion they won't be. I am one hundred percent this is the easiest pick of the draft. It's whoever's left over from the top three. Paolo Bancaro, this isn't I don't even know we need to talk about this much. The only thing that I could say is, like we just said with Houston's first for next year, um, if they want to push the protection up to top three, uh, you know, it's one, it would be three through 30, which is one through three protected. Um, you know, I, I don't really have anything else. I think Paolo's going to be a great, I think him and Jalen work pretty well together. Paolo doesn't, he needs the ball as well. So does, so does uh, Green, but. I don't think it's going to be a problem because they don't have any other talent. You can call Christian Wood. I love Christian Wood. That's my guy. But from a basketball standpoint, I don't know that he fits in that mold. So I'm, I'm thinking you kind of move on from him after this year. And then, um, you know, they have some other guys that are okay, but they need talent and they need talent quick. Yes, they do. And this is, and this is the best way to do it. I mean, you said it earlier. He could, he could potentially be the best player out of the draft class. And you might be able to get him at, at number three. Like that, that's a reasonable outcome for somebody who out of those three guys that we just talked about, I would believe to project as the one who could potentially be a number one option for a really good NBA team. Like he's, he's that guy. So defensive concerns, notwithstanding, I think you do take that guy at number three at all costs. It gets incredibly interesting at number four. This is as, as the kids would say, where the draft begins, right? For, for a lot of people out there and the second layer of the draft. Yes. And this, this sparks a very fun debate. We talked about the, the trade that could possibly happen. If some of the rumors would play out that the Kings want to trade up to number two, they could make the number four pick. They could be involved in a trade. If they do stay at number four, which is what we're going with in our scenario, we are not mocking trades. I'm on the clock and I'm going to take Jay Ivey because I think that Jay Ivey is the best player available. And we can, we can touch on that really quick. I, I do kind of want to ask you if OKC would trade down, I would ask you who they would want to take as well, but just, just touching on the Jay Ivey and Sacramento Kings pick like BPA versus fit. Just, I, I I've made my argument. I 9.9 times out of 10, I would make the BPA argument versus fit, but just from somebody who's kind of been there, seen that, why, why don't you just touch on that for the audience really quick BPA versus fit Jay Ivey. Why are we taking him at number four? The case for him is that one, you Bill Belichick this um, to the max here. He's he has a Russell Westbrook type game with a jump shot. I actually ha- I, I forget who it was. I was saying it last night on the No Trade Clause podcast. Um, he kind of has some John Moran in him too. There's a little bit of that burst into space with him. Um, that you're not going to be able to teach. This is this is a God's gift to the world, yep. right? And um, 
for me, I understand you have your best two players or both your lead guard and your second lead guard or, you know, Davion is the, is a, he's like mini drew holiday. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, mini as in smaller version, Drew's about six, four, you, you know, Davion's about six, six, yeah. one. Um, see, so but he has same defensive intensity, can shoot the ball, learning how to play. And then, I mean, obviously the, the roster is full when it comes to guards, guards, guys that need the ball. And it will be definitely hard for coach Brown. It's a good problem to have three guards that can all get you buckets. Like all three of those guys. There's no, no trio of guards in the NBA who could apply more pressure on the rim at any given moment, both in the half court and in transition. Correct. Those three could the fast. They're all fast. They are all pretty strong, pretty strong. Um, Jaden is a little bit weak at the rim, but he can fix that easily in the weight room. You know, great. Um, the, the, the biggest, the only thing you can really say about Jaden is that he has, he's inconsistent with his shot selection and he's a little out of control and he has one, two speeds, slow and super fast. And the cool thing about slow and super fast is you can teach medium. You can teach semi-fast, you know, I, there was a coach once that talked about like they, they, and you know, I'm not gonna say his name, but I want to protect him. But at the same time, it was a little bit out there, but I got what he was saying. He used a meat scale for it. Rare, <laughs> medium, rare, medium, medium, well, and well done. Right. And, um, he would always say, you know, you got to get guys that, you know, they can get to medium rare to well done quick, you know, but then they can also take well done and get to medium. And I'm like, I understand, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that it's the best analogy, but I get what you're saying. And, um, that's the only knock really on Jaden is shot selection consist the consistent shot selection. And, you know, I think his defense is pretty good. I think sometimes he reaches sure. And sometimes you know, it's, it's stuff you can, when you carry the offensive load, you're going to have to take some plays like where you're chilling. You know what I mean? Like it, you have to, or else you're going to die. It's just how it is in basketball. Um, but I, I think I, I, I have him at four. Um, I do too. I, I Listen, it's a good problem to have if you're Sack. It's a better problem if you're someone else, but it's a good problem for Sack to have. Um, I don't know, man. They could trade. If I was Sacramento, can I tell you what I would do if I was Sacramento? Oh, please, please. I would be trading out of this so fast. I'd be trading up or down. I don't care. This is the worst spot in the draft for you. You got lucky. You got four, and that's great, and I'm happy. I would be happy that we're at four. We're blessed to have it. We have options now, right? To me, I'm looking at Portland. Um, I don't think they want to move up in the draft, but I'm looking at New Orleans with their draft cash. I'm looking at Oklahoma City if they want to move up with some of the future first they have. Um, If I want to move up to two or three, I'm looking at that as well. I have my future first next year. Um, I don't think they have anything really. Yeah, they own their they own their draft picks, all first rounders from here on until 28. So they own everything, right? So you have a, a bit of a cash if you want to swap yours and then give, you know, we talked about this OKC protections and all that stuff. Sacramento but, has a history of trading picks, though. It doesn't exactly work out. <laughs> work out in their favor because they're always back in the damn lottery so sure sure yeah i mean that's that's just how i mean that's it's gonna happen it goes, to somebody right yep. it's gonna happen to somebody <laughs> um but if it's me and i'm and i'm the guy and i would be making decisions here i would be 
trying to get something out of Detroit. I would be calling New Orleans left and right. Um, Cause I'm telling you a team with CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Jaden Ivey is whew, that's going to, that's a tough team to guard. That is yeah. a tough, that is a, I don't know that that team is going to be not top four in the West. You know what oh, I mean? New Orleans like, is sitting really pretty where they're at, regardless they're, of what they do. They're sitting pretty. Absolutely. But that's, I'm just thinking from Sacramento standpoint, I'm on the phone with New Orleans, New York, uh, Washington, Indiana. What would, what would it take for Detroit? Do you think to swap up to four? Cause why, why do I feel like that could actually legitimately happen? And nobody's talking about it because Detroit's been linked to Ivy for so long. If they think that Ivy's going to Ivy be, and Cade would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. Ivy that's, and Cade, that's the pairing. Cade's game is like almost not perfect, but it really complements uh, Ivy really well. So Detroit has Detroit's first to OKC is protected one through 16 next year. So they're already, they have the other part of that protection, but it's not as valuable. Um, and the same, they have it, they have it conveyed to OKC, you know, until 27, whenever it gets, you know, whenever it gets conveyed, obviously I don't think it gets conveyed next year. So in, you know, you have some protections, one through 18 and 24, one through 13 and 25, one through 11 and 26, and one through nine and 27. So you're kind of locked up unless you want to start trading the not so valuable protections. Um, so, you know, one through 16, one through 18, you're kind of locked up there, man. I mean, yeah, you can. I didn't think about a Detroit trade until you said it, honestly. <laughs> don't don't you feel like that could actually So happen now my that? well my my brain is moving at warp speed right now so I'm thinking <laughs> like So Detroit keeps their pick next year, right? They're 1 through 18, they keep their pick, right? Yep. Same thing in 24, 1 through 13 and 25. So they're going to be bad next year. They know it, they're going to keep it. 24, they're probably bad, too. They're not out of the lottery yet. 25 is where you'd be. I just don't know that you want to give up the protections on those. That's tough. I'm just trying to think of, like, how do I move up from four to five? It's going to take future picks. Not a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, I have to give up three through. I probably got to give up five through 17 next year protection. And then that protection will probably have to carry over all through 27 to match OKC because Sacramento is going to say, well, we want our pick now. We don't want our pick in four years. So yeah. you're going to have to, and if it gets out to that far and OKC gets conveyed their pick, Sacramento is going to be like, well, we need to get our pick too, you know? So it's a tough spot for Detroit. They have Jeremy Grant. So that's a thing. If Mike Brown likes Jeremy Grant enough to play with him, he might be able to, you know, with Harrison Barnes aging a little bit. I don't know if he's coming back next year, but I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. Jer Jeremy Grant's a name that we're I know we're gonna be throwing around and we'll be talking, yeah, we'll picks, be but. he's he's all around this trap because he's yep. probably the best player available with a reasonable contract that impacts winning, right? Yeah. And um I think it's tough. Maybe this this is probably why I didn't think about Detroit at all, because they they don't have anything. They can give them the 228 first, you know, top five protected or top, you know, maybe, maybe 10 protected, but 
Sacramento's not going to I think they're kind of locked into five, and they're 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 I think praying they're that the Kings take like Keegan Murray at four, and and hoping that yeah. the guy falls to him. But I don't think there's a way for, they're going to have to take the protection to make it. The only way I see this work is they take their protection on the next up to twenty seven. They go next year's five through seventeen, and then or five through eighteen. I'm sorry. And then add five through 18. It would technically be five through 17, right? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Five through 17 because 18 then gets conveyed to Correct. OKC, I believe. So, you know, five through 17 and 23, 24, five through 12 and 25, and then five through 10, five through 11, four through probably four through 10, then 26. And then top three protected in 27. Oof. I better really like Jaden Ivey. Yeah, trade oh. trading up and, and and involving any sort of potential multiple pick scenario when you are a team who's expected to be using those draft picks in a shorter is generally probably not where you want to be. So I mean, I, I gotta think I have a chance at winning the lottery next year if I'm Detroit. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, why would I give up my protection? I mean, I guess, I guess it makes sense. I, I'm sorry, and, and I'm sorry if I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't. I didn't have no. Detroit it's all trading good. Anything because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all these protections. It's like ah, we just might as well take the guy that comes to us. That's well, probably speed, why well, they they were super. You're on the clock at five, man. You're on the clock. You can take the guy. Well, I'm, who I'm, I'm taking Keegan Murray there. I mean, I'm taking okay. Keegan Murray. I, it's a battle between him, Ben Matherin, and AJ Griffin for me. But I'm going to take Keegan Murray. I think he compliments Cade really well. Keegan's a good kid. He's not going to rock the boat in terms of like being a disgruntled guy. Like he's his story's super like against the odds. Like he's just one of those. He's like, he kind of reminds me of CJ McCollum a little bit in terms of personality and um, just dude who's grateful and he's thankful to be there, but he's got a little bit of an edge. And um, I think him and Cade will work well together. He's a good player. I think he's going to be fine. He'll be probably two time all-star, maybe an all-star once uh, good, just a good starter key reserve for a lot of years. So we're ba- we're basically going. I mean, you you flip the order around of those top three guys. I don't want to spoil my entire board before I unveil the lottery portion next week on Draft Deeper. But we're we're essentially we're we're going through my big board at this point. Um, and I'm going to keep that trend going at number six. I'm going to go in a different direction than you possibly might, given some of the names you threw out who might have been in contention for five. I'm going to go right. Johnny Davis at six. Wow. I like Johnny. I don't like him at six. Just to be honest. Where I get the fit. I get the fit. I, I see where you're going with fit, but Indiana needs guys, man. They need dudes. And why isn't Johnny Davis a dude for you? Talk, talk. Ma- where are you at ben on Johnny? Ma- ben Matherin is a better dude in that case. He's better. Ben Matherin is better for Rick than because Rick needs somebody who can get a bucket. The way he plays offense, like. There's sometimes when the, his offense breaks down, there's just possessions where the offense breaks down. Not, and that's just the NBA. That's nature of the NBA, right? Sometimes offenses break down, defense have good, you know, guys don't move, yada, 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 wrong lineup. He needs a guy who can get a bucket. And I'm not on the Johnny Davis bandwagon of, I, I can get, he can get me a bucket. Ben Matherin, on the other hand, Ben's ceiling is Dwayne Wade, in my opinion. His, his floor, his floor is probably 
probably his floor is probably like first guy off the bench. Maybe, you know, maybe second, like Jordan Clarkson probably is his floor. Like you somewhere a, around there. You have a, you have a higher opinion on Matherin's ceiling than I do. My watch ceiling. Ca- I was going to say my the Kansas my State comparison, game. The Kansas, yeah, the the the, the tournament game. Yeah, watch where he absolutely game. went bonkers, and then he killed he, the the after game interview too. He looked. I I didn't watch that, but he looked like Dwayne Wade. And then I went. I've seen every again every one of his games. To me, he has shades of Dwayne Wade in him. I think he can really be that good. Dwayne's special though. Remember, Dwayne was like a Marquette guy, like super hard worker. You know what I'm saying? Like grinder. Like there was never uh there was never a question about Dwayne getting better and building his game out, right? He got better every single year. They knocked on him for his mid-range. He got better at mid-range. He got be- they knocked him for his three-point shooting. His three-point shooting got better as he went on. He wasn't great, but it, he worked and it got better with the Heatles, right? It got better. <laughs> And it wasn't just slashing to the hole and finishing. And Ben, I think, already has the outside shot. I don't think he's as athletic. I mean, he's super athletic, but Dwayne was on a whole different level of athleticism. You know, like he's like up there. He's just below like LeBron athleticism. You know what I mean? And um, so I see a lot of Dwayne in him. He does a lot of those same moves. He gets to that. You know, he tries to get that cross isolation up top, tries to cross a guy, and then he'll get to that opposite foot inside hand floater. Does that a lot. You know, when he gets into the lane, get to the left, you know, he's on the right side, gets to the left, gets just below the elbow. And then instead of acting like he's going to try to keep driving, pushing, pushing, he just pulls up on that back leg and throws the right hand floater up on the left hand side. I see a lot of that. Um, I think Ben is a playmaker. I think his problem is he's not a great passer. I don't think he is. Uh, he I, I don't awful. think he is either. And that's so to me, when but you Dwayne out, wasn't like, either. Dwayne, Dwayne wasn't either. Dwayne got better when he had better players around. Him. When Shaq left, he, he turned the ball over a lot. From what I remember. I think, I think, I think, Let's Dwayne, fact check that. I think Dwayne had better passing skill. I think he was wired to be a scorer, like a downhill score, which is kind of what he was throughout his career. I think he was just wired that way. I think he has more passing feel and ability than I've seen from Matherin. But to Matherin's credit, coming back a second year in Arizona, he did get better as a live dribble passer. He did he did get better at that. So I will give I, – I guess we differ because my ceiling comparison for Matherin is kind of like what Wiggins has been for Golden State since he got there. A guy who – Pretty good. He can – he's probably not somebody who you want to funnel the ball to on offense for the entire game, but for portions of games, when you need somebody to go get you a bucket, he can get you a bucket. And then he's not a defensive liability and he can space the floor for everybody else. So that's, that's kind of how I've seen Matherin. I think Davis has killer, some killer takeover ability. And that may just be where you and I differ. Like, I just don't think he's as good as Ben Matherin. I don't think he's athletic as Ben I don't think he can get by guys as much as Ben. I mean, I like Johnny Davis a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't see him. I don't see him the fit in Indiana in terms of he needs to be to me. Johnny's an ancillary piece on a really good team or a team that's up and coming. I don't see him as the main piece. I think you're setting him up to fail if you put him as the main piece on a struggling team. So Portland at number seven. That, that opens the fun. door. Yeah, it does get fun because. By the way, I wanted to throw the Dwayne Wade. I, I looked it up. I had the to passing make sure numbers that I was hit me. Right. Hit me. 
So just basic assists, right? Four and a half rookie year, and then Shaq came in what? Oh four, oh five. That accurate yes. or is that over? Yep. No, no, oh four, oh five. Uh, assists went up to seven a game. Then he was at seven a game in oh five, oh six. He was at seven and a half in oh six, oh seven. So his players got better. Remember, they were against the Heat. I mean, against the Mavericks in that final. His, his team was way better. He got better with it. Seven assists in 07, 08. 08, 09 was seven and a half of six. So, like, I don't think he's as good as Dwayne is, like, passing the ball. And then turnover-wise, Dwayne was always, like, around three and a half to four. Um, That's to be expected, though, when you're that high volume of an offensive player. But like, you're, when you're it came, turnover. But when it came to the Heatles, he went down to two, two and a half. So that's a lot of LeBron too. That's LeBron it, became, it, be, it became the the LeBron show in in okay. Miami. I'll, but that, any listen, team you want to put me on that has LeBron, it's your show, Bron. Let's roll, baby. Bat Batman, Batman and Robin never that never messed with the Heatles. So fact fact check myself. Portland at seven. You can. Hmm. This is this is you're on the clock. You can keep the pick. We can talk about what the trades look like with number seven. There's a bunch of things yeah. that can happen with Portland. I, you, you, you could tell me they do literally anything on draft night because that team is, that team's devoid of talent to an extent. Minus, least, minus Dame. Minus, minus Dame. There's, there's Anthony Simons, but. Who's, who's a good piece? He's a good piece, man. I will, I, Anthony Simons has made some really good. But do, do we know what they're going to do with Anthony Simons? Like, yeah, are they dead? So yes. they're, they're, they're going to 100% keep them. So you they're need somebody ready. when Dame's on the bench, you need someone. That's what CJ was so valuable to them for so many years. You could put Dame on the bench, get some rest. You're not going to lose a ton of offense. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I just, I just don't know where they're personally at. If somebody, you know, are they willing to pay him? If somebody throws them the offer so. sheet that they can, do they, they matter? Like I, I would hope that they would. I just, I just personally don't know, but they're, they they have the backcourt pieces, but then they're missing wing depth, which is where you could hit with Matherin. Should you keep the pick, you can trade it. You can go get somebody like Jeremy Grant. Like I don't know. This is fun because I get to get your answer, Dan. I get to get what you would do in the situation. All the all the opportunities in the world. Where what what would you do with the seventh pick? And if you keep it, because we're we're doing the lottery mock. Talk about everything else. But if you keep it, who are you definitely going with? Well, we'll we'll stick with the mock and then we'll talk about trades. I think that yes. we'll just keep stick to the rules here. Yes. Um, if I am Portland and I'm forced to pick here, and I'm keeping the player, it's Dyson Daniels. I love it. I love it. I love I love Dyson Daniels. And and I, to, to be fair, he would have been also in consideration for me at six. Um, the probably Johnny Dyson and, and Matherin to me would be the three guys who I would have in consideration at six with how it's played out. So I was just going through, I was going through a scenario with this because I've gone through like 35 scenarios, right? <laughs> with my, with my colleagues and guys that work in the league and just, you know, guys that are understand the game and just, you know, just to see, um, I, I'm, I, if I'm, if I'm have to choose the player, it's Dyson Daniels. I think just size, athleticism, all around game, just a guy that's, I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. I think Dame makes him like way better. He doesn't, he, he, he can't be your ball dominant guy. He can't be the guy you throw 35 possessions at and expect him to shoot 30 times a game or 25 right. times a game. Not his, that's not who he is. 
but you throw him in there with Dame who does that plus makes guys better plus plays D you know, plays enough defense. Like you can really maximize Dyson's uh, uh, potential. So I really like that a lot. Um, I, this is how a grant to Portland trade would be structured in my opinion, right? The Blazers, if you remember, have a trade exception that is big enough to fit Grant into. So they don't technically have to send matching salaries. They can just absorb right. him into the trade exception, right? So there's not a lot of, you don't have to move him out. It can be straight number seven for Grant. And if I'm Detroit, I'm doing that all day. I can pick five and seven because now I have ammo. If I need to go to four, if I think Jay Nivey is my guy, yep. I can work. I can work out five, seven for four in a future first for sack. Like I can, that's a lot of, if I'm Sacramento, I'm taking five, seven and you take, uh, you know, next year's 15 through 30 protected or 17 through 30 protected or 18 through 30, whatever it is like, okay, cool. You can have the 18 through 30. You know what I mean? I'll keep it one through 17, one through 16, one fifteen. I can work with that. If I'm Sacramento, I take that all day. Now I, now I up, up my talent level by, Whoever five is, if I think Keegan Murray is that guy, Ben Matherin, Dyson Daniels, it doesn't matter because I get two of the three guys on my board in that role. You know what I mean? Like I get yep. five and seven. Yep. I, I could be I could be Sacramento and walking out of the draft with a combination of Dyson Daniels and Ben Matherin or Keegan Murray, Ben Matherin or Keegan Murray, AJ Griffin, if I like him enough and Dyson Daniels, or if I like Johnny Davis and Dyson Daniels. Like it is like that is the best case scenario because you fix your wing problem immediately. Now yeah. you have two, you have Fox and Mitchell in your backcourt and you are starting with Matherin and Dyson Daniels and throw a center in there. Who cares at that point? And that's a really good team to me. Really, really, really good team. Don't think it's going to happen, but you could, um, one of the arguments I had with somebody I was talking to, he said that the Pistons maybe try to also get the future protected Bucks pick. That could be a thing. Maybe take Bledsoe, who has a small guarantee, um, and try to get that Bucks pick as well. You know, you're absorbing some stuff, and sure. you know, and that could be a nice little coup. I don't like Bledsoe for them, I guess, but you know, it could happen. Um, Yeah, I, I I said in this in this scenario, Grant is a role player. I'm I'm not I'm not giving up seven. Um, good point he made though is if you trade for Grant, you're anticipating giving him the extension, so you're paying for a player you're going to have for three plus years, right? Um, and they haven't had that type of player in a long time, and that's what Dame's needed is a defensive wing who can score when needed, right? Um, the other name then, that's been thrown around besides Jeremy is that the OG and Obi buzz is like out of control recently. I don't think that's happening. I, I think I, I think I think Masai loves his wings and he's going to keep them as he should. And plus, OJ's uh, OJ's like pretty cheap still. I mean, he's going to be up for extension, but he's still pretty cheap regardless. Masai's like one of those executives. Like I, I would just be leery with with trading with him because he's he's yeah. so excellent at acquiring talent. Like if he's willing to move off of somebody, that to me would probably throw up a red flag. But sure regardless he's he's the other name that we had to mention in the exercise yeah and then i'm not sorry about being long-winded on portland here but this is like a pivotal point in the draft right this is it a is. huge turn point 
because on the one hand, you have Dame. Obviously, we know all the issues there. Dame wants to win. He yeah. He's going to demand a trade, right? So the interesting part of this was Donovan Mitchell, right? A team with Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard would be unstoppable in the terms of, like, scoring. They probably couldn't guard a lick, but, man, you'd be scoring. You'd be at 125 a game. Easy, right? But in order to do that, you have to give up seven. Um. Remember the Portland first to Chicago is protected one through 14. So you're going to, from 22 to 28. So that's conveyed for the next, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six years. So you're playing again with your protections. So man, would that be a trade that would happen on draft night or would that be something that happens a little later? No draft night, because Utah is going to want to pick seven. They're going to want to, I mean, they, it, it's the deal will be quote unquote structured and done but it won't be executed till the I'm just saying year. in regards to like, does, does Anthony Simons would, would Anthony Simons wind up in that deal? I Most don't likely. care. That would I have to be like, care. a. <laughs> don't care. It, if I can get Donovan Mitchell, if Utah makes him available, I don't care. You can have everyone not named Damian Lillard. Who can I get you? Who, what do who do you need for me to get Donovan? So that's, Mitchell? well, that's what I'm, that's I have what I'm three saying. Years, I have three more seasons of Donovan Mitchell before his option. Three. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, Anthony Simons has to be signed to a new deal and then all that. You, <laughs> I got Bledsoe's contract. I can, I got contracts I can play with. Like, I'm looking at this, like, the the cap sheets for them. Again, no trade clause has this beautiful. You guys haven't used it. They, they have all the cap sheets for every team, like future picks, everything. It's, it's awesome. Um, no trade clause.com. I'm, I'm plugging it because it's so awesome. Um, I got contracts on here. I, I have, I got Bledsoe's partial. Um, I got Ingles still. I'm uh, sorry, Ingles' option. I got Josh Hart still who I control. Yeah. 12 million. Simons, you can sign and trade most likely. Oh, you can, um, you can get up. You can make up the money. You that's can what get, I'm you saying. Can get to the salary. I, I'm just, and that's what I'm, but I have players. Like I have actual yeah. players that can play in games for you. Like Josh Hart is a good player. He may not be able to be traded until, Next year, wait. Let me see because he was traded in the middle of the year. Um, that Utah thing is that's a whole nother can of worms because there's there's Gobert in there. What are they going to do? Are they just going to fire sale? Are they who are they going to move? That's oh my god, I haven't even gotten to really wrapping my mind around what the hell Utah Utah's yeah. going to do. Any anyways, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get there. But I'm just saying, I'll double check on the Josh Hart thing. He might he might be untradeable at this point because you might have to wait until December 15th of next year or whatever that is. Um, but I have the contracts to make it work. So really it's just about draft equity from there. Yep. And if seven, and then I give you pretty much all of my picks, top one or two protected from here on out, they're going to get conveyed at some point. Um, once this one to Chicago gets conveyed, it's wide open and you can renegotiate later about adding more or subtracting more, depending on what you want to do. But, um, man, I don't know that Grant moves it for me. Grant Grant's not a needle mover for, so for a team like that seven, when He's I can not. get Dyson Daniels, I mean, I can get, I can do a lot of things with seven and don't forget, you know, who could be really sneaky here. Our good old pal Sam Presti. 
there it may be something where he needs to take some future first. He may find Dyson Daniels at seven. We can like, we can touch we can touch on that right now because that's that's something else that's been floated out there that OKC might try to move up from yeah. twelve, you know, to to target somebody. I think Jeremy's been the hot name, Jeremy Jeremy Sohan, but they can get they can get Sohan Sohan. I'm sure how to say his name exactly, but they can get him at twelve. He'll be there. I think if you move up, you're going for the Dyson Daniels, AJ Griffins, Johnny Davises of the world, um, Ben Matherin if he's out there uh keegan murray if he falls for some reason like that's what you're going for a wing scorer who can because you need you have shea who's pretty good he's probably a number two on a playoff team then you have giddy who's more of a you know facilitator trying to get guys you know he gets them in spots with not triple double guy and then you have chet we're in our draft you have chet so now you have a big on top of it really what you need now are wing defenders, wing shooters, and a guy who can get you a bucket, right? Those you are need, you need, you need, you need to be able to alternate somebody with Lou Dort who can knock down a shot from, from the wing. I, I would agree. So, uh, Lou Dort's ceiling is low, unfortunately. Um, and I like Lou Dort. I just don't think he's a, I think he's a role player on a playoff team. Sure. And um, I think if you can get a Keegan Murray or you can get Ben Matherin or AJ Griffin or, um, Dyson Daniels in this area, then you go for it. If it costs you 12 and uh, 12 in Detroit's protection, 12, 12 and name, name your, name your dang picks because they got yeah, so if, many of them. It doesn't that, that OKC can literally, they can get who they want in this draft because they have the you capital. Can, you can give them Washington's first, uh, you know, they have Washington 15 through 30. So, you know, you could talk about Washington's pick. You could talk about Denver's pick. Really, anything that want is conveyed soon. Yeah, the sooner is more valuable than the later, obviously. So, name name or, whatever <clears throat> pick in twenty twenty three that you want to take a yeah. stab at. Another sneaky team is the Knicks. I will say this to all you New York Knicks fans. <laughs> I like the Knicks being sneaky in this draft. They own every one of their picks from here on out. They own every single first round pick. Um, from here on out, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, they had they own their own. Um, they I also think the, have, I think the Ivy buzz is real for them to try to trade up. I just they don't, don't have know enough ammo to get do up. it. Well, so that they, have, they don't have enough ammo without getting rid of Barrett. Like Barrett's going to have to be included to get Jaden Ivy at four. You know what I mean? Barrett fits Sacramento really good. You put Fox Mitchell and Barrett out on the floor together. That's like crazy good. It's crazy good. Um but I don't think they can do that without giving that they're literally going to have to give their whole draft. Like they're going to have to go give this year's pick. What do they have? 11, I think give 11 and then structure it for the next year where they can give their pick top three protected. That's why some people don't understand how hard swap. it is. Like yeah, and then a 24 swap like and then a 25 probably lottery protected on top of it. Like 15 through, you know, one through 15, protected you know what i'm saying like it's it's, a it's lot. just it's, it's a, a lot. lot it's a lot so but i do like them maybe if they think dyson daniels is their guy or maybe they think aj griffin's not going to be there or somebody that they they need wings they need wings yes. and size yeah. and athleticism i like obi Toppin, but um he's not going to be your best player or second best player in, in a playoff series he's just not he's a good really good role player he's like way better larry nance you know way better larry uh larry nance senior not larry nance jr sorry i should say that <laughs> He's a better Larry Nance, you know, and um, and that's saying a lot because Larry Nance was pretty good. I, 
Larry Nance was an all-star, you know, but, but um, his ceiling is probably like Larry Nance senior type. So the Knicks could, could get up to seven. You can give this first and then Dallas's protection uh, next year and probably get up to it. If that's not enough, then probably add some protection onto yours next year. And you can probably snag seven from Portland and then Portland can go and take those picks and parlay it into whatever else. And Jeremy Grant for a player named Donovan Mitchell or Bradley Beal in the future. So New Orleans would be on the clock in our scenario. Dyson Daniels is off the board to the Portland Trailblazers with how the draft has fallen. I'm on the clock for this pick at this point. I would take Shane Sharp at, at this point. Hmm. You can raise your eye. However, I do not agree with you whatsoever, but you, please tell me why I want to hear this. Because they have a stable of talent, right? Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not take the shot in the dark? Why not take the shot in the dark on the guy who could possibly have top three, top four upside at this spot at number eight, you would, you, you, you would go in the direction you would try to get like an AJ Griffin or a Ben Matt somebody who that's the name probably more equipped to be playing tomorrow versus Shane Sharp, who's not going to play. Not even that. Not even that. New Orleans is in a great spot, right? They are. I appreciate, and I appreciate your thought process on that. I think it's thoughtful. I I think it's good. I don't agree, but I think it's really good. And you're right. You have a bunch of talent. Why not take a shot on a guy, right? Like this is a perfect time to just take a shot. This guy might be your second best player by the time it's done, right? There's two things that, in my opinion, are a little wrong with that. Shaden Sharp needs development time. He's not going to get shots with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson on the floor, especially with Valanchunas as well needs touches. Um, And CJ's out there. Like, There's not going to be enough balls for him. to. There's not going to be enough basketballs to give him his development. He's got to go to the G League. So, okay, cool. If you want to go that route to me, AJ Griffin and things I'm hearing around the league too, that AJ Griffin is kind of their guy, kind of where they want to go. He's a plug. And here's why size strength, amazing kid, the nicest kid in the world, right? No ego. I spoke with the kid too. No ego, super nice eye contact. Like he's just the guy you want to be around. Like I wanted to be around him. more, Right. And um, his he shoots 40% from three. Yeah, his yep. shot can be fixed a little bit. He doesn't need the ball to be successful. And I think that's like the key to this is if he doesn't get a shot eight times down the floor, he's still going to be playing defense like a dog. He's still going to be rebounding as best he can. He's still going to be sprinting the floor. He's still going to get to that ball side corner and transition. He's so mentally strong when it comes to understanding his role. And, you know, LeBron always talks about this. I'm sorry about popping LeBron, but I'm just saying, like, he always says the NBA is a role league. Can you find a role that fits your skills? And this is where A.J. Griffin comes in. I had A.J. Griffin going to the Wizards um, in my first mock a month ago, but now I have him going to New Orleans. I think he's the perfect fit for them. Wing defender, big and strong, athletic, shoots the heck out of it, and Great kid on top of it with no ego. So right you now, I mean, he's a, you need that with Ingram, Zion, and CJ. Because no those are guys. 
they're also they're they're one they're one through three options right now to, to you know pick your order depending on the, the matchup in the day but you need guys who can kind of just come in catch and shoot or catch and drive and that's exactly what aj griffith does high level defenders court. high level defenders who can do that because remember herb jones is going to be your probably your number one defender right yes so now you start let's just say it's aj and he Willie wants to start him day one. I'm just putting it out there. But these guys will be on the floor together if they're healthy, right? So you're throwing a team of CJ, Zion, B.I., uh, A.J. Griffin, and Valanchunas, Hayes, um, that group. Or if you want to start more mobile, you put Zion at the five, you start Herb Jones. Now look at that team. That team is a extremely well-rounded team that can go. You can't guard golden state, but you can give them fits with that team, right? CJ will be a, a negative most likely on defense, but you have length with Ingram length with Jones length with Griffin all can switch one through five. Pretty much Zion is a freak athlete to me. AJ Griffin makes the most sense. I'm also not mad if they take O'Shea Egbaji. I'm also not mad if they take Johnny Davis. I'm not mad if they take um, who's the other guy I had on my list here. Um, we still got Matherin on the board, and Matherin's on the board here. Like that, they, like I don't think you can go wrong here. And I love Matherin. I, I love him. I just think the fit is AJ Griffin. I think his skill set is so NBA ready. And you know what? If he's a lesser Miles Bridges, man, if he can stay healthy, he's a lesser Miles Bridges. So I'll take I. That. I was talking, I was talking with Tommy on the podcast that I just did. And you're, you're going to be on the clock at number nine. You're oh, I know who I'm taking. I already know who I'm taking. <laughs> I, I made the argument that AJ would actually be an excellent fit for San Antonio because he's a great fit for pretty much anybody after four. Well, San, San Antonio also, they have so many guys who can drive. And, and score, but they don't have too many, like, real strong catch-and-shoot guys, which is exactly what we know A.J. Griffin is. I think he would just kind of slot in there and give them something they don't really have right now. And defender. Could, don't forget defender. Like, San Antonio needs guys you can defend. I'm not, I'm not as high on the defense, but that's, that's, that's I think just he's me pretty, personally. I think, he, I think he's going to get better. NBA. I think in the think NBA he's going to be – his skills in the NBA are going to be great, in my opinion. He's strong. He's built to guard multiple positions. You can't really yes. push him off of spots that he does have no. in his favor. But you might not go there. Where are you going to number nine for San Antonio? I am 100% going Ben Matherin. Okay. I'm, I am I am San Antonio. I am taking the best talent that I can find. You took Shaden Sharp, correct, at eight? I took Shane Sharp at number eight. Okay. Uh, I am 100% taking Ben Matherin if I'm San Antonio. I don't care. I'll find a way for him to fit. I'll find a way. Don't care. Athleticism, playmaking, potential, ceiling. Put him with Chip England. Let's go. This is easy. I don't. We could probably move on. We can. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't have any arguments with, with Ben Matherin at, at number nine. The Spurs could go different directions. So at number ten, given how interesting the board, pick here. Yeah, given how the board's fallen. I will. I will go AJ Griffin. Let's get AJ Griffin out here. I, let's, let's I think that's a good pick. Washington, good pick with Beal. He helps Beal on the wing, gives him an Otto Porter like guy. 
I think that's a very good fit. I like, again, with Washington, I like O'Shea, Baji here. I like um, Shaden Sharp if he was there because he's going to get minutes. You know what I mean? You can develop him in Washington. I like Johnny. Uh, Johnny Davis is off the board at six, so I can't, don't have him. Um, so yeah, I like I like the uh, and Dyson Daniels if he's there. He's not in our draft, but if he's there, I like him as well. I think Dyson's really good next to Brad Beal. So the New York Knicks at number eleven, we talked about them. You're on the clock. They are they are absolutely a, a trade candidate. I 100% agree with that premise. If they are to stay at eleven. Yeah. This is a scenario in this mock. They could go wing. They could target one of the big men. I, I, I doubt. I doubt they would go guard. I, I know the Ty Ty Washington New York's like a popular thing. No way. I'm not as high on Ty Ty. No way. I don't. I, no. In my opinion, in the lottery, I personally don't feel that there's one of those quote unquote point guards who's worth going for in the lottery. That's just my personal opinion. So I think it would be one of those two other positions. I don't know where you're going to go. Where are you going to go at number 11? So if I'm the Knicks and I'm I'm taking the pick, um, I am 100% taking O'Shea Baji. It's an easy okay. pick for me. Uh, I think he's one of the most solid picks that you can get. You know what you're getting with him. He has a little bit more room to grow. He doesn't have high of a ceiling as you know some of the other guys, but he's a really good shooter. He's a really good playmaker. He can... He can make, I shouldn't say playmaker. I should say he can make plays when needed. Um, his defense is solid. I think it'll, a lot of his skills translate well. Just solid. You know what I mean? Really good again with RJ. I think that's a actually a really good skill compliment. Um, he also has really good size. I mean, he's 6'6", six, six, you know, he's pretty long. Like, I, I, I love, I like O'Shea Igbaje. I actually had him at eight a month ago on my, on my mock in the beginning Um when I first did my first mock, I had him going eight to New Orleans because I had AJ Griffin a little lower. But after I got more, anal- you know, analyzing AJ, I liked him a lot more. But um, O'Shea Igbashi's a good player, man. I don't know why more people don't talk about him. Probably just because his ceiling isn't as high as like Ben Matherin or Jaden Ivey, most likely. I don't think he gets out of the lottery. I definitely don't think he gets out of the lottery. I don't think he gets to the top point. eleven. Zero chance he's out of the top eleven. There, there's going to have to be something in his past that comes up. There, uh, he's going to have to have some sort of character flaw, which or he's going to, by all accounts, everybody, I, everybody I've talked to, he's, he's very high class, solid. High character yeah. I, I, yeah. And I've seen, I've heard nothing but solid stuff. Um, a couple things, but nothing that isn't, that would make you not want to take the guy. I, I don't see that. My sneaky what? fit for the Knicks at 11 would be Malachi Brandon to which sure. you would say what? No. Anything that takes shots away from RJ, I'm not about. RJ Barrett is my future and everything that I do is based around what RJ needs around him to be successful. RJ's shown that he's taken the next step. His his jump shots gotten better. Still, you know, he still struggles behind the line a little bit, but it's getting better. And he's shown that he wants to be the guy. You know what I mean? Once they move on from Julius Randle, um, RJ will have the, you know, the, the, I guess the, it's going to be his team. It I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Team. I don't, I don't know what word I was looking for, but yeah, it's going to be his team. And I'm, if I'm New York, I'm looking at it going, that's our guy. We got him. He's ours. We're locked up for another five years. You want to surround him with the guys who we can yes. spray the ball out to and knock down the shot. Absolutely. And you know what, if, if he needs a bailout guy or he's just having a bad night, I can have a guy who's solid and I know RJ can get the ball to him. And we're going to be all right. 
So OKC at number 12. You mentioned that if OKC wanted Jeremy Sohan at number 12, they could get him. 100%. So that's that's who I'm going to take at number 12. I, I, I like I like him. I, I trust the defense coming in. I trust that he can keep the ball moving. I'm not sure what else I'm going to get from him at this point in his career offensively, but in a low-pressure situation where he can continue to develop his offensive game, I like the fit for all of the other reasons. Gives them a defensive piece with size and length that they don't quite have on the roster. Obviously, Chet Holmgren, notwithstanding who we, we did take at number two with this pick. So I'm going to take Jeremy and – I would be happy if I was if I was OKC and it was Chet and Jeremy or it's Chet and one of the wings who fell. I would be happy on draft night if I were OKC and they're still built really well for the future. So that's who I would personally take. I think Jeremy would be higher on my priority list than one of the big men. Although now we're coming into the territory where I'd be comfortable taking one of the two bigs who I have lottery grades on. I, I don't know if that's where you're going to go with Charlotte. There are a number of guards on the board. Are you segueing me? Bigs. I, I am segueing <laughs> to Charlotte at number 13. I, I've mentioned this. I don't know if you feel the same way. I think Charlotte is under the gun with these two picks at 13 and 15 as much as any other yeah. team because I think with LaMelo in tow, like LaMelo's a real star. Or he's at at the very least, if you want to argue, he's not there yet. He's the very least on the path to being one. We didn't say Lonzo just for Kevin. We We didn't say Lonzo. We we did not say Lonzo. We said LaMelo. Kevin, (laughs) don't get out of control back there. Oh, boy. But I know about you and Lonzo. I know about you. It's it's going to be a little bit of a of a pressure cooker, in my opinion, for them to nail those picks. Because um, at some point they're going to be expected to win. I think they got they got to get those two picks right. So. Yeah, I, I I actually see them. Um, I think Mike. I think Michael will be a little um, more aggressive. I, I the thing is with um, the current regime that they have, that regime has been known to be more safety and take the picks that you have. Uh, Mitch has been, you know, one of those guys. He's he doesn't have a history of being too aggressive in the yeah. draft, right? Obviously, with the Lakers and whatnot, you don't have to be aggressive. But the history of it is he's not super aggressive with the draft in terms of we got to go get up and get picks. I mean, if you wanted to to take thirteen and fifteen, um, and if thirteen and fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, right? Cleveland's stuck Correct. in the middle at fourteen. Yeah, so thirteen and fifteen. You could maybe get up to 10 if Washington wanted to get out, if they didn't feel like they had somebody. San Antonio might, might if, if they feel like they can get their guy later in the draft or, or something like that. I don't see moving up. I mean, maybe Oklahoma City takes them. Maybe if they want to move to 12, Charlotte can give 13. That's a little expensive, but if you got to move up, you got to move up, right? Maybe it's New York, but... Um, Maybe because I would see I would have pegged Ochai Abaji being a great fit in Charlotte, but he's he Same. is now off. The he board may not be there scenario. though, right? Correct. And that's what I'm saying. Like if I'm Charlotte, I got to figure out if I can get up, but you won't know that until the draft is going on because you don't know who's going to fall. But if if let's say um, Johnny Day, I'm just throwing a name out. Say Johnny Davis is still there at 12, which he could be. And OKC is just sitting there saying, "I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him." Um, then you know you may have to pull the trigger and just go with what you have. 
Um, I did, uh, by the way, the OKC pick at 12, I actually, um, wouldn't be surprised. They took the French, uh, French kid. Um, oh, what's his name? Are you the, talking about Jang? The yeah, they could, they could, they, yeah, they, Jang. Yeah, they could go Usman as well. They could absolutely and, go that And route. they could store him. They could go store him for a year or just bring yeah. him over and just develop him. I would not be surprised that because the number of picks they have, that's a, that I actually have them taking him, which would make sense. Right. Unless like a Johnny Davis falls or, or he's, he, uh, he's, he's, he's a top 15 player on my board. I will, yeah, or, I will say or, that. So. Or, or Igbaji or somebody like that fell and they felt like they had to take him. But uh, if I'm, if I'm picking this for Charlotte, um, it's tough, man. You know, I feel like it's a lot. You're lo- you're gonna lose on both of these picks here, just and not because like I think the players are bad. I just don't think the fits are great, right? I don't think I don't think you can I, take a I, pick at thirteen because I, don't I think, think oh I think you can. That's actually I, I was gonna say Jalen Duran. Like I, I think like you take him, you're not happy about it. I'm. Do you not think Cleveland smiling. would take a big away though at fourteen? No, that's there's kinda... zero chance. Okay, but that's not the that's not the point. The point of it is. Will Atlanta at 16. That's that's what matters. Cleveland, you know they're not taking a big. They got bigs up the Yazoo. Right, but Charlotte's got 15. So Charlotte could I understand. Wheel back around and take the big there. What does it matter? You're literally picking back to back. Sure. If there's a wing, okay, fine. If you if you think you have Cleveland's guy, like if it's um Tari Eason or for some reason Dyson Daniels falls, or uh you think it's Jovic. Um, so if Soshin's there, Max Christie's a name, Blake Wesley, like if you think Cleveland's going to take any of those guys, but you like them more then yes. Um, that's a good point. I was going to take Jalen Duran. I, I wasn't even caring about what Cleveland did because it didn't bother me at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't bother me what it does. Uh, I guess but they I'll do, change. they do need a big, they do need a big, though. that's what I'm saying. They need a big athletic guy. And like the, th- here's my thought process, right? Sure, Cleveland's probably not going to, but what if they do? I need a big. I need a big. I need somebody who can run up and down the floor and is athletic and block shots. I have to have that at Charlotte, right? Yep. He's staring me in the face at 13. It, I want to risk it. There's no guarantee. Cleveland could be a wild card and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to take Jalen Duran. And you're like, why? And then they hold it up on you. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Well, we're going to take him. He's off the board to you. If you want him, you're going to have to pay us a future first. Just like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you want to risk. Like, you want to risk that scenario because now that big just costs you more to get the same player. It depends on sense. who's your It depends on yeah, who's yeah, your yeah. guy. Well, yep. in our draft, it's it's Duran. Yeah. Like, that. I don't see another wing in our draft that we're doing right now that would make me get off that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Correct. I just... I don't see that. I don't. So, so my thought process is I'm not going to let that scenario happen. I'm going to get my guy. That's, that's the thing about the draft. If your guy is there and you are picking, take him, do not play with it. Don't try to get super cute. Not everybody is Boston and Jason Tatum. Okay. (laughs) Not everybody is. It's a great point. It was a win-win situation for Danny Ainge with Jason Tatum. He, even if Tatum went one or two, he was still going to get a really good player. You know what I mean? Even if he had to take Fultz at three, he wasn't going to. Even if Fultz mm-hmm. dropped to him, he would have taken the next guy. But that's not the point. The point was he he's a, no he won every single angle of that trade 
and he got his guy at the same time. So, you know, it was a calculated risk, but it was also a safety thing because no matter who he picked, he was going to win. All those guys are good. Minus faults, obviously, but you know, that's neither here nor there. But for me, I'm just taking my guy, taking Duran. Not going to let Cleveland muck it up. Not going to let them hold my, you know, feet to the coals. Taking Duran. I'm not going to muck it up for you. That solves two things. That solves two. Well, that's that's the kind of games that get played in in, in the NBA. It, wouldn't you, if you were Cleveland, you can extract the 15 through 30 two years from now, and then it's every single year for the next three years after that. Wouldn't you want to do that? I would. I agree. I might be. I agree. I, and I end up in 25 with pick 20 and pick 20 and pick 16. Like <laughs> it's smart, but I'm just going to take my guy. And at Cleveland at 14, I'm going to take my guy for them who is not Tar Eason. I would take Malachi Branham in this situation. This would be so where I would take Branham. Keep, keep him home, baby. Keep Malachi home. I, I just think Malachi, he might not ever develop into like a top tier offensive option, but he is one of these guys who, if he's your fourth option, he can, he can go off at any point on any given night. If you're not paying attention to him defensively. And the biggest knock on him is to an extent his defense. And you got a whole bunch of defense there in Cleveland behind him. So I think he'd be a great fit. Good pick. So that's, that's our lottery mock draft. We Hopefully have, we didn't go too long for everybody that's still listening through this. I, I think everybody who listened through this entire podcast episode got some excellent front office insight and got to think about things a little, a little differently than just hearing, you know, my usual lock, mock draft slop. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll call it every single episode. So just one more time through the mock, I'll run through it. So we got Jabari Smith at number one to the Orlando Magic, Chet Holmgren at number two to OKC, Paolo Bencaro at number three to Houston, Jay Nivey at four to the Kings, Keegan Murray at five to the Pistons, Johnny Davis at six to the Pacers, Dyson Daniels at seven to the Blazers, Shane Sharp, number eight to the Pelicans, Benedict Matthews, number nine to the Spurs, AJ Griffin, number 10 at the Wizards, Ochai Abaji, 11 to the Knicks, Jeremy Sohan at 12 to the Thunder, picking twice in the lottery, Jalen Duran at 13 to the Hornets, and Malachi Branham at 14 to the Cavs. For for anything we might strongly agree with, we might strongly disagree with. I do think this is a very realistic mock that we put together. I could absolutely see this happening on draft night. Minus Shade and Sharp to the Pelicans. <laughs> so where 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 would Shade and Sharp go for you? Where where do you have him rated as? That's what we'll end the podcast on. How how are you feeling about Shade and Sharp? If Shade and Sharp is available at eleven, I could see New York going after him. Twelve Oklahoma City, I think, takes a shot. They get minutes. They got time. Um, Charlotte, I don't think he gets past Charlotte. I would agree. I think if he slid all, I would be shocked if he slid all the way to to 13. If he gets, for some reason, to 17 at Houston, it is going to be a miracle for Houston. (laughs) Or Chicago at 18. It is a Christmas in June miracle. Could Could a slide like that happen? Do you, do you think that's possible? Yeah, it is. With him, it is. Just because of the unknown. I mean, I I would always take, like, Johnny Davis over him or O'Shea Baji or A.J. Griffin. I would take him over him. And not because he's not going to be better than them, just because, like... You know what you're going to get out of them. I know guys. what I'm getting. Yeah, the the whole theory of the unknown is more is more valuable than the not known. No, I watched Kevin Garnett. He was freaking good. I didn't have to worry about 
him not being good. You know what I mean? Like that's how this guy's kind of being hyped up. And I'm like, you knew Kobe was going to be good. You just didn't know how long it was going to take him. You know, like you saw it and Kevin Garnett was dominant. You know what I'm saying? Like the yep. LeBron, it's not hard. Like this isn't hard. Like even perk, like Kendrick Perkins, you knew who he was when he walked in the door and he didn't go to college, but you knew who he was. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know who this dude is. I still don't. I've watched every workout of his and his EYBL stuff. And I still don't know who he is. He's a mystery can, man. To say can he, least. can, can he even get by? Like, can he even make miles bridges like work really hard? I don't know. He's an unknown. He's an unknown right now. Everybody loves the mystery, the allure. As I as I wrote, I for, hate mystery. No ceilings. Front office guy. I hate mystery. Yeah, I think he's he's fallen a little bit for me, for me too. Um, I would I would take all the Big Ten guys at this point. I rate all of them, and when I say all the Big Ten, I mean Ivy Murray Davis. I rate all of them higher than. Then Shane Sharp at this point. I'm coming back around on Mather and on Griffin. There, there's a bunch of interesting ways you can go in this draft. It all depends on your situation and how you can actually develop a player, right? Do you have the tools to be able to develop somebody like Shane Sharp? Do you have the confidence you can develop somebody like Shane Sharp? But that's the fun of it. It's a lottery mock draft. We get to go whichever direction we want to go. We certainly did. So, Dan. I, I think we made think. better time than the league, by the way. I think we did better than the league did that we'll do on the on the mock. That 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 that's probably true. On time. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn on that time. the hard way. We'll be doing a live draft show at no ceiling. So we'll 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 definitely get the get the comparison out on the time. But Dan, thank you so much for taking as much time as you did to come on the Draft Deeper podcast, share some of your insight, do that exercise with me. One more time for my audience plug where they can find you and everything that you're doing with sports biz class, the whole nine yards. Yeah. My Twitter is I am underscore Dan P. Um, my Instagram is a uh, D P as in Paul R U W M as in Michael. Um, I, I, I have a bunch of content that I'm pushing out every day now on my IG. I will link it to my Twitter as well. Uh, it, it is just uh, they're called draft clips where I take one clip of guys and I literally analyze that clip. And I have hundreds of videos that have, that have now become, you know, part of my portable memory on my, you know, my disc drive, it's filled up three of them. So I have hundreds. Um, I'll be pushing that out. Then you can catch me at sports business classroom in, uh, in June. I believe it's June. Let me get my dates mixed up. I'm, I'm make sure I have it right here. It is July. Yeah. See, I even said, said the day wrong. Uh, I, know, I know summer leagues the ninth, 7th to the 17th. Ninth through 15th. I believe it's July 9th okay. through 15th. Um, 10th through 15th. I'm sorry. July 10th through 15th. And, uh, you know, if you're debating whether or not to go, check it out at sportsbusinessclassroom.com or at sportsbizclassroom on Twitter, I believe. And, um, or just DM me or talk to me or talk to you guys. And it's, uh, it's something definitely to look into, especially if you want to break into um, the NBA. It's a really good resource to just start your journey. I'll always tell everybody to, to go out to Vegas. Don't, don't have to worry about me saying anything different. That That's for sure. Um, and no ceilings will be out in Vegas in full force at Summer League. So whether you're at Sports Business Classroom, when you're coming out to Summer League, stop by, say hi, all the all the nine years. It's all about connections. That's, that's and then the check out. Day. That's what it's about. Absolutely. And also check out notradeclause.com. 
Um, these guys are all alumni of SBC and they do a great job. They're super smart, talented kids. Like definitely check them out. They put a lot of great content out. And most importantly, thank you everyone who chose to listen to this episode of the draft deeper podcast. If you aren't subscribed, please make sure you go do so wherever you get your podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, make sure you're following no ceilings on Twitter at no ceilings NBA for all of our constant content updates and make sure you're subscribed to the Substack, nosillingsmba.com. It's absolutely free to do so. We have plenty more planned to go live from now all the way through until the draft and very much so after the draft. Trust me, we'll have plenty of content for you to soak in and absorb. So definitely make sure you're tuning in for all of it. Until next podcast, though, thank you all again for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.